Trading Nut, episode 70. If you were to look at all of your trading frustrations, almost all of them are a result of the way that you've been programmed and some of our very natural wirings. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Aaron Corbs on the show. Now, thanks to the listener who recommended I get Aaron on, this is one of the top episodes of the show. You guys are going to have this on repeat, guaranteed, uh, for the rest of this lockdown. So Aaron is a futures trader who trades uh, volume profile, and he's got quite a story to tell alongside that. Uh, you're going to learn all of that today. We've also shot video after the show, so you can see that over there at tradingnut.com or on the YouTube channel where Aaron walks us through a trade that he's taken using Volume Profile. And what you're going to see is a sniper kind of entry and uh, a fantastic risk-to-reward ratio take profit as well. So, guys, that's worth checking out after the show. The other thing to check out is a or I managed to arrange a massive discount on Aaron's course. So if you guys like what you hear in the show and you want to get access to learn more from Aaron, then head over to tradingnut.com. There's a link in the show notes, and this link is a tradingnut-only link, and it gets you $500 off his course. Okay, so guys, you can do that after the show, and you're going to get to check out the video as well that we shot. So there's a whole bunch of stuff to do. Um, this interview is coming up in a second, and look, this is the perfect time to, to do one of these courses. And we're, you know, a lot of the world's in lockdown. A lot of the sort of socializing that you used to do is now out the window. So guys, if you're thinking about doing a course, this could be the one. Or if you're thinking about like learning a skill where you want to um, perhaps automate some of what you're doing in your trading, then I've got a course called Robot Builders Club. You can check that out on tradingnut.com as well. Message me um, and I'll give you a special price for that one uh, during these lockdown times. All right, folks, without further ado, let's get on with this amazing episode with Aaron Corpse. All right, folks, we've got Aaron Corpse here on the show from Trade Trade AC. Uh, tra- how do you say that? Trade AC? Yeah, it's Trade AC. Trade AC. Trade AC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, flagship product was the Trading Accelerator, and then that is short for Trading Accelerator, Trade AC. Cool. All the way from Connecticut, uh, just outside the uh, coronavirus central uh, New York, over there yeah. in the U.S. Uh, how's how's that treating you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel more than likely blessed comparatively. Um, you know, I haven't directly been impacted by it at all uh, at this point. So, just laying on lockdown, I feel like uh, I've been really preparing for this over <laughs> for for years now. Being locked in somewhere, just focusing on working and uh, not seeing other people. So it's kind of hasn't changed my life too much. Well, that's not too bad, actually. I mean, there's I. I think at the moment there's about 200 cases here and uh, the whole country is in lockdown. We can't do anything, which sure. I, I suppose is their sort of early prevention method of, of getting a, around the, you know, I suppose it, any deaths from it, which is um, is probably the way to go. Now, 
today we're, we're not going to talk about that. I've done a show on that already. Uh, we're going to go into your trading story and, and learn about a lot about what you, uh, I suppose, do now. And I know you do volume profile, trade day trade futures. So the guys are going to be able to take a lot away from this episode. To start off with, how did you get into the, the trading game? Yeah, yeah, big time. So I'll go just all the way back. Um, I've been trading since about the end of 2013 coming into 2014. And uh, before getting into trading, I was from Hot Springs, Arkansas, down south in the USA. Um, And what I was doing there, and I think this is an important maybe framework going into just my story, um, but kind of starting back there, um, growing up, I was fairly gypped out of an education uh, in, the, in the sense that even to this day, I, I don't have a high school diploma. I don't have a GED, uh, no, no form of accredited college training, anything like that. Um, and I think that, one, this is important kind of with my development bringing me into trading. But then also, uh, I would hope that as even you hear my story, this would really reinforce and just encourage um, – just the emphasis of respect and appreciation we should all have for this space that we are in. The markets truly provide us with an incredible opportunity um, that there's not many things out there like this in the sense that the market is this very pure, almost refining fire that just has a way of rewarding people, uh, not based on where you were born or what your credentials are or who you were born to. Nothing of that matters. It, It rewards you based on your personal skill and your personal level of mastery and it also has a very unique way of punishing people that, uh, that, that uh, try to either cut corners or that, that try to just get rich quick in this business. And so um, with, with kind of some of that in mind growing up, uh, I, the first thing I was really involved with out of what would be you know, high school, I guess, that time anyway, is um, I, I started a truck washing business with a buddy. We were originally doing something a little different, but then we evolved into washing trucks. So uh, big rigs, tractors, trailers, you know, that type of thing. And um, we did that for several years, and it was, you know, I was really forced into this uh, ha- happening to kind of get targeted education because there was, you know, very large gaps in what I knew and, and just um, what I was able to do. So I, I kind of was in a bad combo of not, not just being uh, book dumb, but I was also extremely socially awkward because uh, part of that lack of education revolved around some very uh, strict religious things at the time, which, you know, kept me out of most other circles, very tight circles. And uh, so it was also like a really tough dynamic. I didn't know like how to walk or how to talk or how to dress or, or how to have a voice or anything like that. Um, so it kind of put me in this unique place where I was really, really fell in love and was kind of forced to just do targeted education. And the idea of maybe learning things about algebra or other school related topics uh, never made sense. It was kind of forced into, okay, I need to learn how to send out invoices or I need to learn how to schedule work and, you know, things like that. And so along that path of just really targeted kind of focused education, um, I, I somehow stumbled across a TED Talk. And the I didn't know what TED Talk was at the time, but I was listening to one and it was um, this lady that I can't remember, but she was talking about body language and how your psychology and your physiology are like really closely related. And if you stimulate one, you stimulate the other. If you want to change your mood, change your posture. And she was just talking and it was just like so cool to me for some reason. I was like, whoa, this lady, she's got like the secrets to life. I tried it, it worked, like I felt different, you know. Um, so I went on like a little bit of a TED Talk thing and I got introduced to Tony Robbins. And it was the first time I've ever heard him speak. 
and it was years ago, but I still remember this like it would like it just happened. Um, he was talking about just our own personal desires and like things that make us feel successful and things that make us feel fulfilled. And the way that he spoke was just like really powerful to me. And so I dug into him and I ended up uh, really liking him a lot. I bought one of his programs. I went through it. And being fairly young, it was really the first time that somebody just spoke life into me and just really like embedded that truth in me that I don't have to be my past. I don't have to be that dumb kid. I don't have to be uneducated. I don't have to present myself that way. And, and then also just like, what do you want your life to be about? What is this whole thing going for? And not just in a dreaming kind of a way, but like in a structured process of here's how you figure out what you want and here's how you go about getting it. Um, and so during that time, I was really focused in on just where I want my life to go and what makes what's important to me. Um, and then just kind of looking at what I was doing, I realized that truck washing was never going to get me there. Even if I grew like the best truck washing business in Arkansas, uh, it had limits and it would have never allowed me to have the life that I really wanted. And so I started making some really drastic changes and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I had a few ideas. One of those was trading stocks. And I think that, um, I don't know if I can pinpoint where it started, but I think for most people, there's this idea of being in the screens and being in, in this environment and being able to trade the markets. And it's kind of a romantic idea. And it was very romantic to me. I, I really, really love the idea of it. So I started exploring it, kind of dabbling in it. I only really knew that there was stocks at the time. I didn't know there was foreign currencies. I didn't know there was options or futures. So I started doing this stock market, started trying to trade that, um, you know, way too early. And I quickly found out that, in my opinion, the stock market's a, a fairly tough way to day trade, which is what I wanted to be doing. And I still hold by that. I think that if, if you have maybe a substantial amount of money um, under management that you're trying to do, there's some very nice options for stocks. I, I think if you're trying to hold things for longer periods of time, maybe more like investments, then there's obviously some very nice options there as well. Um, but to take a relatively small account and to get in there and at any type of aggression day trade, uh, I, I, I find that to be very, very difficult. And obviously I say that hopefully with the, uh, everybody listening here with the amount of awareness that that is very much my opinion. And um, when it comes to anything related to trading, there really is like this 20% probably somewhere around there. That's like black and white. You get this wrong, you lose in trading. And then there's like this 80% that is just really gray and it's very much up for interpretation. And so understanding there's a lot of people who day trade stocks and do very well. Um, I can't necessarily say my way is better that something's wrong with that, but I found it to be very difficult. And so through some trial and error, I was introduced to commodities and the futures market and it made a lot more sense to me. And I, uh, I, I still think that it's a superior product to day trade and, um, I think there's a very good reason why the majority of professional day traders are focused in on the futures market and trading commodities. And uh, if, if somebody's out there struggling with day trading, I would definitely recommend to at least look into the futures market into commodities uh, because they're, they're really great products to trade. And so uh, that's where I'm at today. And um, that was kind of the initial, uh, initial spark that started me on that path. And then once I started, it, even back with stocks, I just really fell in love with it. Loved the process. I loved the work. I just, I really, even before, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just really loved doing it. And so how were you, how were you getting your education for, you know, approaching the stock market as a day trader? Uh, just the worst possible way ever. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I think as people, um, we like to think of ourselves a little bit more unique than we are, but I think we all kind of enter trading with 
the same just kind of shotgun approach of YouTube, reading some blogs, doing that kind of stuff. And uh, I just went on a rabbit hole. And at the time, you know, I didn't have the awareness to understand how noisy this space is. Um, And so I was just all over the place learning all kinds of things that just did not matter, probably weren't true. Um, But yeah, like YouTube blogs, uh, probably at that starting off, no real books, um, just kind of like the internet. And, you know, thankfully, there's a ridiculous amount of information out there, which can be a blessing or a curse, I guess. But um, it's definitely more of a blessing, I think. And did you did you sort of stumble on a on a system that you were using at the time, or uh, whether yeah? I suppose if if you paint a picture of the technical analysis or the fundamental analysis you were using, what what did it look like? Um, originally, what I was doing was d- different technical analysis, uh, technical indicators based systems. So I've definitely tried like a variety of things, um, all the way from just like strict patterns to some like moving average crossovers. Um, to an RSI strategy. Uh, I did a strategy with a MACD and a Boilinger band combo for a while. Um, and that's what I was really focused in on for a very long time. Technical indicators would uh, be at my, you know, the, what I was pursuing and never really, never really had much luck with, with it as far as anything long-term. Okay. And so, so, I mean, these, the, I suppose this strategy, was it, was it something you would, you know, sort of fall in love with and, and, trade this particular strategy and see that it didn't work or do you think it might have been a psychological factor in the in regards to the stock market yeah i think when it comes to uh, and even branching out of the stock market coming into commodities originally i came over with uh, technical indicator type strategies and i think probably on their own and when you just take a lagging indicator type system at face value there's not necessarily anything wrong with it, but I really believe that what it does and the big kind of curse of getting involved as a retail trader with indicators is it really supports this idea that um, when this line crosses this line, you just need to act. And trading will never be that simple as just buy here and sell here. And it kind of uh, it encourages, in my opinion, at least this was my path, Uh, not necessarily mastering what you were doing and doing things, but maybe not even understanding exactly why you were doing them just because this thing told you to do it. Um, And so being able to dive deeper and develop like some real mastery, uh, it kept me out of doing that. I think by, by relying on just some of these lagging type indicators. And so what changed when you moved to futures then? Um, nothing too much as soon as I moved to futures, except for the fact that I really liked the idea of just focusing in on the same products every day and maybe not scanning or looking for things, but just always knowing every day, this is what I'm trading. And then also by virtue of the way that these products move, um, it's, it seems, it seemed very easy to understand, you know, if I can carve out this much, then this is how much I'll be making. Uh, because they, you know, you're trading contracts, so it's a very specific thing. You're not certain shares of this, certain shares of that. Um, and so when it was, when, uh, when getting into what really changed is when I got introduced to volume profiling. That was the first thing that just really made sense to me. And I think it was almost like this dating experience where I was kind of going through these, you know, many relationships with different indicators and things. And then when I was introduced to the volume profile, I was like, you're the one that I want to marry. And it just made so much sense to me because it really was a bit of a pure way of, of looking at the market 
and then doing things and really understanding why I was doing them, not just, hey, this is telling me to. So that was like a, a huge you know, shift at the time for me. And how did you get skilled up on volume profile? Um, a lot of trial and error. So there's some, there's, uh, there's not very, not many resources that are out there as far as packaged together well. There's some certain books and things that deal with market profile, kind of some of the old school Dalton kind of uh, ideas that are good for some general education, but they're very lacking in, okay, what exactly do you do with this information and how do you trade it and what would a setup look like? Um, and so through the, uh, the, the process of me getting introduced to volume profile, um, I was paired up with what would be a mentor at the time. And we, we were trading and he, he really just kind of took me under his wing um, and, and showed me how he was trading, showed me what to do. And then taking some of that and then really formulating my own ideas and kind of coming up with my own identity with it. Um, and then just, you know, a lot of putting in a lot of time and, and like any skill, being able to, to build up your understanding of it and your awareness of it, a lot of it by doing it. Um, and then some real, you know, pretty focused training uh, early on. And, and how much time did you uh, give yourself to, to try and master this? Trading in general? Nah, just the the volume profile sort of approach that you ended up with. Um, I don't. I didn't put a time limit on it for sure because at this point I had really burnt my bridges and I was fully on board with with trading as my path. And so when it came to volume profile, I just I knew it made sense and I knew this is what I really wanted to do. Um, and so it wasn't to me like a, a time limit thing. It was just this is what I need to do. Whatever struggles I'm having, I just need to work through them and figure out what's wrong here. But um, yeah, I was real committed to it once I was, you know, on that path for sure. Okay, so so let's sort of. I'm just trying to picture in my head. So you're are you still working the truck uh, washing business at that point in time, and you're sort of doing this on the side, or had you switched over and were you making money or losing money? How did that work? Yeah. So at this point, and really the entire time I was trading, I got out of my truck washing business, sold off everything that I could, um, and went full on into trading. And so I, at the time uh, of starting my first brokerage account, I, I had just about $10,000 to put in and to start with. And I really thought that that was, a, a, you know, at the time it was a ridiculous amount of money. If, you know, kind of where I was at in life, if you had a thousand bucks in your bank, you were, you know, financially independent. <laughs> and so, you know, so I took this and started with it and uh, really went through that fast. Um, and so, what I ended up doing is um, I moved out of Arkansas and I was really committed to you know chasing this thing and I went in very aggressively and even when I, I burned through everything and had to have another source of income to live on, I structured it to where I'd work at nights so that I would from the market when it was open until it was closed, I was able to be in front of the charts and um, you know and trade and then I would work at nights during that time. So that happened for the first several years uh, leading into um, leading into 2017, really. Okay. And what happened in 2017? Uh, I'd just been doing the profile for a while and was finally got to that place of putting in enough time and enough energy, and then finally starting to really just reap the rewards of it. Uh, and then, you know, they, they call it in trading, making the turn, but it seems like this point where you just work and you struggle and you're learning and you're growing and you're, so many things are coming together and then they describe it as 
it's almost like the light bulb just turns on and you find yourself in a place of in flow with the market and, and being able to produce consistent results. Looking back at it now and having a, some deeper understanding on things, you start to understand that it's, it's kind of the process for most things where you just put in a lot of work, you're sowing a lot of seeds, you stick with it long enough, eventually you reap the exponential curve that comes with you know, investing in anything. Uh, and that's what we refer to as the turn. But yeah, that's when I made it and um, was able to just do this full time and not have to, to do anything else. And do you think, do you think like, I suppose other, other guys out there listening who might be, you know, dipping their toe in the water or, or, you know, giving it as much time as they can, but they haven't gone to the extent of, you know, basically chucking everything in and doing, you know, spending an entire day looking at the chart and, and either doing analysis or, or learning or whatever it is. Do you think that they can make that turn easily enough or do you think there's sort of like a, a tipping point where you're not giving enough to it versus you are giving enough to it so that that turn can can happen oh yeah no you can definitely make the turn without and if anything the amount of time specifically i was putting in front of the charts was just not smart uh, in hindsight a lot of my struggles and trading frustrations came from spending too much time in front of the charts and just being in front of the the charts at very inconvenient times. There's a process of just very much understanding what you're trading and building mastery around that to where you understand when you need to be in front of the screens and, and when you don't. So if, yeah, if you were in the process and not going as full crazy uh, as I did, which would, would never be something that would be recommended uh, to anybody, it was, you know, looking back, it was probably crazy. Um, but yeah, no, you, you definitely don't need to go that nuts to, to make it in this business. Um, and, uh, and to be able to, to, to get to that place of just consistency, which everything you want in trading, it's on the other side of getting to consistency. Okay. So we're now at 2020, March, 2020, which is a, is a weird time anyway. Um, do you, how did the last three years go from 2017 to 2020? I mean, have you had any rocky patches in that period of time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, just kind of, so, you know, some of the, the natural ebbs and flows. Um, one of the things that I struggle with, and this is just part of kind of my style, but when we are really slow and being directional, that's where I struggle. And so we went through a pretty strong period of time where we were just in an uptrend uh, for, for months and the volatility really dried up. Uh, it was a very difficult time to trade. That was um, coming into 2018, and it just uh, it made for for really really awful trading. Very tight ranges, very low volatility, and especially if you're a day trader, the the volatility is your lifeblood. When that dries up, so does your earning potential. Um, and so it made for a lot of really boring days, some really rough times. That was uh, that was that was pretty crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that though, it's been fairly even keel. Um, the, the way that I do, and especially with my time frame, everything is, uh, pretty structured. There's not a lot of either massive drawdowns or even massive run-ups. Um, it's just not, doesn't really fit into what I do. It's pretty regulated. I come in, I pretty much just bang out my work. And then at the end of every day, I'm completely flat. So there's not too many wild surprises one way or the other. And did uh, I suppose from a, from a mindset point of view, did you doubt yourself at any point when you were sort of going through those difficult, slow and slow directional, low volatility moves? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I think um, there's probably maybe three very unique times where 
I really just thought I needed to give up. It was just like the end. Like, I just felt like, man, I actually can't do this. Um, and so I think as a trader, um, at, at different points, we all are going to go through that. And sometimes you go through it multiple times. And uh, it's, it's just a process of really getting worn down emotionally. We only have so much emotional capital. And then sometimes that just takes such a beating that uh, you're, really, you're really just left at a, at a, at a low. And, and you, those are things we got to work through uh, and stick with, you know, develop the grit around. But, yeah, I've, I've definitely been through a few of those times. And, and any sort of tips to, to help people out there listening get through those difficult times? Yeah. I mean, if you're going through um, like a, a, I think there might be a few different ways we go through this. Uh, one of the probably more common ways is by just really blowing it like on any given day or on any given trade. And I think there's a very natural evolution that if you're going through a, a big loss that we go through, um, and what you'll do is you'll kind of find yourself starting to take a loss that just gets out of control. It gets way too big, and, and you, you get to this certain pain point where the pain of holding on to it is, is now greater than the pain of actually taking the loss. And so when you hit that tipping point, uh, you get out of it. But during that, 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 before you ever get to that tipping point, you go through several emotional things. And once it's all said and done, the dust settles, you're out of that trade, you're just really left shell-shocked um, and, and emotionally blown out. You just did a massive amount of damage to your account. It's a, it's a really horrible place to be. And so if you find yourself doing that and um, you're in one of those really big lowdowns, the best thing you can do is take off the next trading session, just completely remove yourself from the charts and uh, just take a break. And then um, when, when, you, when you're able to come back from that, um, it's, it's really important to, to kind of go back to what was working before um, and the things that you were doing, the, the processes that you were going through that, that you know, had you do well. Um, more than likely you deviated away from that and you went through some, some real massive drawdown. But you just got to kind of understand you, you were, were essentially building a house and you were putting in a lot of work, putting a lot of effort, putting a lot of energy in. And then you came home drunk one night and just drove through it, you know? Mm. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to back that car out and you have to rebuild. There's not this instant, well, here's all you have to do. And if you try to get something quick, you're going to do even more damage. So you're just going to have to, um, you know, kind of eat that and, and deal with it and then start the process of building everything back up. Yeah, it's, it's tough, but it's, yeah. you know, it's a, what you have to do. A great analogy there. It's like going out, getting drunk, driving the car into the side of the house, and what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Okay, yeah, you've actually got to fix it. You've got to, you right. can't just back it out and then leave a massive hole. You've got <laughs> yeah, to do yeah, something yeah. To, to fix it. So, so what, is, uh, what does your typical day look like now? Um, so my days are pretty structured. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm an early riser and it's really important to me, uh, to get up early. Uh, typically I, I say early, but this is really subjective to where I'm at. Uh, the last couple of years I'm doing a lot of traveling, like pretty aggressively. So, um, for instance, not long ago, I spent a couple months in Bali and there I was starting trading around nine or 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, respectively early, but, uh, let's say like right now I'm on the East coast of the United States. So, um, right now I'll get up at 5 a.m. And it, probably the one of the biggest things that's helped in my trading was developing just some real structure in my life. And one thing you'll notice in trading and one of the like powerful things about trading and one reason why I think everybody should honestly try trading 
is um is there's no reality where you get to be sloppy and disorganized and disheveled in your life and then you sit down and just crush the markets it's not real the way you do one thing is the way you do everything and one of the best things you could do for your trading is just develop some very strong habits in your personal life because those things all roll over to your trading um and so my morning like just rituals and routines are really important and i know that was a massive you know a massive turn for me when I got serious about this. But yeah, so I'll get up at, um, let's say I'm on the US, like right now I'll get up at five. And then uh, there's just some things that are very important to me as far as like stressing my body. We, we you know, are in front of the computer all day, either standing or sitting. So it's, it's really important that I, I stress my body every day. I'll do some meditating. Uh, these things aren't in this order, but I go through these things. Um, I'll do some reading typically just to feed my mind and, and just several things that I want to get done. And if I don't do them early, they just won't happen. So I get them all done first thing. And then once the, the, the market, I sit down and, and start usually about an hour before the open, what I'll do is uh, just have a very top-down approach that uh, I'll come in. And the first thing I do is just kind of look at the overnight, see what exactly happened just in case there was something like crazy going on. But uh, as soon as I just kind of see that just for the first thing I look at in my charts, I'll pull up an, uh, an economic calendar, being aware of what's happening that day, if there's anything I need to be aware of, and then... Also, if something's coming up, like if it's FOMC on uh, Friday or something, that obviously needs to be uh, into my context for how I'm viewing, you know, Wednesday and Thursday leading up to that, you know, that type of stuff. And then, uh, so I'll gl- glance over that quick, mark down anything that I need to mark down, and then I'll go back to the overnight session, and I look at crude oil, I look at the S&P 500, I look at Russell, and I look at gold. So I'll go through the exact process for all four of these products. Um, I always start with gold, I, I move on to crude, I do Russell, and then I end with the S&P. Just very structured, same thing, rinse, wash, repeat. Uh, part of the process of just having rituals as well. But anyway, so I'll look at gold, and uh, I look at the overnight level. There's a couple things I need to mark as far as the high, the low, the, um, the point of control, and the mid. I'll mark all those metrics. They get copied over to my, my pattern time frame that I trade on, um, that I look for setups on. Uh, and then so once I have that, just some general context, uh, how the overnight, if we were skewed, if we were in balance, then I'll flip over to the day session of the previous day and just take a look at what exactly happened, how the day shaped up, what was the day type, um, and if there's any you know useful context I need to get from that, where we're slated to open, if we're opening in range, if we're opening in a gap, just kind of packing out all those things. Um, you know, just a few things I'm looking for there. And then I'll look at a, a day time frame. I don't trade on a day time frame at all, but that's where I get the majority of all my targets and all my levels from. So I'll do composite profiles that encompass at least two or more days. That's what a composite is. And so in some year, sometimes I'm bringing in like years worth of data. So this can go back a while, but I'll be bringing in this data and uh, that's where I get my high and low volume areas. I'll do the same thing. I mark those over. They, they get copied onto my 15 minute and, um, and those will be the, the key levels I'm looking for for the day. And then once I have this all together, just these pieces of information, I'll just start formulating up some trade ideas and uh, what exactly I'm looking for and then what's, what I'm going to do when those things, uh, when and if those things surface. Okay, nice. Sounds like a, a, a great little plan there uh, and well-structured, very well-structured. So looking at your actual trading data and stats, how do they play out? So starting off with like number of trades that you'd take in a day. Yeah, so um, a fairly active, definitely not like scalping or anything like that. But what I'll do is typically taking about three to five trades a day. 
if I'm under that, I'm probably hesitating a little bit with something. Or if I'm starting to hit like seven or, you know, past that, then uh, I'm probably over trading and need to, to get reined back in a little bit. And do you have any like uh, sort of daily targets where, you know, you hit a percentage and you stop or, or anything like that? Yeah, big time. I'm actually a, a, a big fan of having um, goals that you're working for. Be, and this is a little bit controversial, but I really believe that a lot of the trading issues we struggle with, it just comes down to the way that we're able to expose ourselves to risk. It is so freaking uncomfortable to expose yourself to risk and to sit through pain like that. And what ends up happening is if you know what your target is and you know what you're trying to do that day, there, you have a lot of freedom to be able to position size and to um, not to make the market do anything, but understanding how you're, you know, how this trade is shaping up, where you're going to be right, where you're going to be wrong. There's a lot of times where you don't want to expose yourself to enough risk to meet your goals because it's so uncomfortable. But if, if you know what you're shooting for, it's more of a function of just doing what has to be done regardless of what you feel like. But if you don't really know what you're shooting for, you'll, you'll, you'll default into relying on your emotions, which is, you know, they'll just lead us all over the place. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of daily targets. Um, it's everything's changed a little bit because of this just unique time that we're in right now where the markets are just absolutely insane. Like I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so, but typically what I'm looking for is on the low side, 400. And then on the high side, I'm looking for a thousand. Like that's my, my, um, my window that I'm looking to trade within. And I feel like no matter what the market throws at me, I can position size accordingly and, and kind of get to that 400 at least. And then, um, if things are going really well, you know, be on the upper side of that, but it's, um, it's, if I start getting past that, like real low four figure in a day, that's, that's a pretty, uh, ending up being a really great day for me. And so, so what about winning percentages? I mean, the, and your risk to reward ratio. Yeah. So when it comes to winning percentage, um, I need to be right around high sixties, low seventies. Um, I don't, I shouldn't say I need to be, but what, what I'll end up doing and I need to track this because I'll end up, uh, being a little bit too passive. And then I'll find myself like, if I go through a week and I have like a 90 or high 90% win rate where sometimes this happens, then in that case, I would have made a lot more money if I would have had a lower win percentage, because if I'm up that high, it typically means that I'm passing on a lot of trades and I'm not being aggressive enough. So that's where I like, I need to live. And that's where I want to be. As far as risk to reward goes, um, it's my, my whole style is extremely discretionary. Discretionary in the fact that I am kind of have this whole field that I'm allowed to play on, but I do have some very strict rules that keep me in bounds so I don't just go off. Uh, but when it comes to risk to reward, like if if I'm best case scenario, I'm looking for one to five. I think that that is unbelievable. It's fantastic. That's what I love to see. Um, in reality, uh, I rarely get that. So a lot of times when I'm looking for a trade, I'll, uh, sometimes it'll start off being like a one to five. And just as I said earlier, trading is never as simple as just buy here, sell here. It's very rare that I enter a trade and it just goes like right to my profit target. Normally, if I have a profit target of where I want it to go, there's something in between, maybe the VWAPs in between that, maybe there's a previous high, you know, there's going to be something there. And so what I'll do is as part of how I'm planning that trade, I'll just manage a few different outcomes. So if we get to one of these other levels, maybe in between my entry and my target, 
and we start stalling out. Looks like we, you know, we, uh, we, we have some selling pressure coming in. We're not able to hold above it. I'll go ahead and scale something, take something off there. So I'll, I will take a trade even all the way down to one-to-one, which I, if, if you were to entertain that, you need to be very comfortable with, your, with how you're trading and very confident in your trading abilities. Um, I'll never go under one-to-one because it just doesn't make sense. But um, one-to-one would be extremely rare. One-to-two, one-to-three is more realistic. One-to-five is like where I really want to be. And so, okay, so we're just going to change tact here slightly. What, what about if you're somebody who's new to this or fairly new to this and, and you're working a day job, you're thinking, right, I want to start as a trader. What steps would you recommend they start taking uh, in terms of at least getting them, I, I used to sort of ask, you know, to start earning an income as a trader, but it's really getting them to the point where they're, they're, they're seeing some consistency in, in what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So if uh, one thing I would do is just be fairly creative. And I think I, you know, coming into trading, I had no advantage uh, as far as like skill level or knowing or anything like that. And, and if I had something that would maybe be like a superpower, it was that I entered the game early enough um, that I didn't have any real obligations. I didn't have any family. I didn't have any wife, no kids. And I know a lot of traders are in this position where they want to be more passionate about trading and maybe the, the, the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak kind of a thing or uh, spirit is willing, flesh is weak. So they want to make trading more of a priority, but just given the other things in life that they have to put above trading, trading ranks a little bit lower, which is understandable. And that's how it should be. So what I would say is get yourself like just really chunk out, make, make the space in your calendar of when you can be in front of the screens. When are some times on a regular basis that you can be in front of the monitor? And then I would start a process um, of going through figuring out for the times that I can trade, what is moving, what is, what's, what's going on? Because maybe you want to day trade the ES, but it's just not realistic for your schedule. Okay, what is open? What's happening? What are some markets or products that you can trade? Maybe even if it's foreign currencies or something completely different. You can do this by just having really just a simple volume indicator. If you're interested in like maybe a certain product or a certain amount of products, throw a volume indicator on that. Look at the times in the past where you would be trading. And if there's like, you know, big areas of volume and then the time where you want to trade, it's like always dead, then that's just not a great product to trade. And um, you're only ever going to be as good as the products you trade. So you want to make sure you're doing that really intelligently. But um, so I would just find products that, that made sense to trade. And, uh, and then I would really just start the process of trading and learning, even if it wasn't what you originally wanted to do. For instance, like maybe day trade, maybe you need to start off swing trading or doing something different. Because I said this at the very beginning, but it's just so true that 20% of your, what you're doing in your trading is what really matters or um, is yeah, what really matters. And then 80% of it is just up for up for discretion. It's up for change. So if you can develop the skills of trading and start structuring things correctly, get that 20% down, what you're trading, the way that you're trading it, you can adjust that. And the learning curve is going to be much smaller than if you just never get started because the time's not right or because you can't day trade right now or, or something like that. Cool. Great advice there. Great advice. Rewind that, guys, if you if you're new new to this and uh, and listen to it a few times because I think that's um, worthwhile picking up on. Now, 
you've talked about volume profile. You're a volume profile trader. Do you want to give the guys some tips on on trading? Um, what something I, I mean, I've learned it before. Uh, it's it's quite a sort of uniquely different kind of uh, indicator. Do you want to give us give the guys some tips on how they could best approach that? Yeah, big time. So if if you're looking at volume profiling, you're probably maybe um, most people, and this is my story, kind of washed up with technical indicators and kind of done with that approach um, and want to do something a little bit more raw and a little bit more uh, just pure. And so if you're interested in volume profiling, highly recommend it. I think everybody should check into it. And even if you don't maybe exclusively rely on it, the information it provides us is very valuable, probably for most approaches. Uh, no matter what you're doing, the, the levels or at least the information, it's very powerful. And the reason it's powerful, the volume profile, it's just telling us at every single level the buying and selling that occurred. So it's a histogram that's just been turned on its side and showing you at every single price how much buying and how much selling happened. When we understand that the whole reason we have markets and they understand that the, the markets are just a giant auction – trying to match buyers and sellers, when we can see where a lot of buying is happening, we know these are very popular prices. And then when we see very little volume happening, we understand that these are very unpopular prices. Um, And so if you're looking to get started in volume profile, uh, a few real important things to know are one, it is not a buy buy here, sell here system. Okay. I think a lot of people, uh, they learn some of the foundational truths about high and low volume areas, and then they get out there and just try to start trading based on that. They'll like just automatically start buying or selling at a, at a low volume area. So it's, it's not that. It's not a buy here, sell here. The only thing the volume profile does is give information. And the real power behind the profile is what you do with that information. So it needs to be paired with um, some discretion and, uh, and, and some other you know, skill built around that. And it, I think it, it makes it, at least on the surface, is a little maybe uh, seemingly complicated to explain just because it's not, hey, when this line crosses this line, you're supposed to enter, right? But it's, it's not complicated. It's actually very simple um, once you understand some of, the, you know, some of the core parts about it um, and then maybe go into it with the right mindset of understanding that this is not a – this is a discretionary system. And so it's going to require you to come up with your own trade ideas because you don't have something like this line crossing this line to tell you when exactly you're getting in. You have to be able to formulate your own trade ideas. And, and uh, I mean, it's a good way to put it, actually, because I, I think I did the same thing when I first started using it. it was like, you know, oh, it crosses there, let's enter. We'll fade yeah, this yeah. level and, you know, it just didn't work. Uh, but what about is if there was one thing that they could – they could put against or work use something that would work with volume profile what would it be uh, yeah i think i mean anything would work with volume profile and i think if you weren't going to be strictly volume profiling well then the way you would want to use it is just make sure you understand intelligently how to draw profiles and then if you are let's say using a moving average crossover strategy and you are entering long well you can use targets, you can use a volume profile as areas of interest that you might want to scale out on or you might want to be targeting. Um, and you can use it in that sense, I think would be very powerful for a, for a lot of you know, different systems where maybe your system is built on a way where you know how you're entering, but you struggle with where exactly your targets are or where exactly to get out. I think we could insert the profile and that would be very nice. Cool. 
Well, look, um, let's get into the quickfire round. So these are about nine questions to help the listeners understand what it takes to become a successful trader. So, Aaron, start off with how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Going into three years. Thinking about a trader's mindset, do you have any special techniques you can share with us? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could park it here for a long time. Trading mindset is it's so important uh, to what we're doing here. And if I could say something about trading mindset, I think that if you were to look at all of your trading frustrations, almost all of them are a result of the way that you've been programmed and some of our very natural wirings. We know at some level that we're supposed to you know, cut our losers short and to let our winners run. But if we understand some of the emotional side of trading with our mindset and understand how our minds have been programmed, we are actually designed to do the exact opposite. Um, I don't actually want, maybe, and you can tell me, I don't know if this would take up too much time, but um, if you want, I can do like a quick explanation, but there's been some very interesting studies done that have nothing to do with trading, but they give us a very good insight into how we're programmed. And when we figure this out, uh, you, you'll take your trading to a completely different level. I can kind of brush over it, but do we have the time? Can I go through yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, go, go through it, definitely. Oh, yeah, because um, this, is, this is everything. You get this, and you, you get this wrong, you just lose. And when I would get through this, a lot of your trading frustrations, like when you find yourself putting up eight, nine, ten winning trades, and then one bad one wipes it all out, and a lot of what we're struggling with, it's not, okay, at the surface, there's maybe a, a assortment of issues. At the root, it's the same exact thing. So... I'll put it to you like this. This is a quick one, but there was a a study done and um, it wasn't a recent study, but I guess with the the state of the world, this is um, maybe timely, but uh, I'll give you the situation. And then there's a, there's a couple options and you can just kind of answer this, you know, to yourself as you're listening. Okay. Uh, So here's a scenario. There is a outbreak of a virus at your location. All right. So 600 people are infected. And if nothing is done, 600 people are going to die. So there's two courses of action that have been recommended. Uh, The first one is that we administer the 200 vaccines that we have. If we do that, we guarantee that 200 people are going to live. Now, the other option is we split up the vaccines and we administer them to everybody. Now, if we do that, there's a one-third probability that everybody is going to live. And there's a two-thirds probability that everybody is going to die. What do you do? Do you do option A or do you option B? Do you guarantee that 200 people live or do you do the other option uh, with a one-third chance everybody lives, two-third chance everybody dies? And maybe even if you went to, Cam, you can kind of answer just on what you think would be best, even not even overthinking okay, so it. So just, so I, just so I understand it, so you've got 600. So th- there's two options here. One is that you don't give the va- vaccine to anyone. The other option is you give the vaccine to 200 people. The other Is there a third option there where you give it to you split up the vaccine and give it to one third. Sorry, what was the third option? Did I miss that? No, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not a third option. There's um, not giving it to anybody wasn't an option. Um, right. The only options are administering it to 200 people or administering it to everybody with a one third chance that everybody is going to live and a two third chance that everybody uh, dies. Okay. Okay. What would, I, what would I do? Um, uh, yeah, I suppose. In that instance, oh, it's a difficult one, actually. I suppose what you're, th- yeah. I suppose that what would I do? Um, uh, you'd have to go. I think you'd, I think you'd go with the chance that everyone lives, 
because really? we're no i mean there's no right two... or wrong so maybe yeah, just yeah, answer it the way yeah, you want but yeah i don't know two-thirds chance that everyone lives that was it oh, right? or was no, it? there's a one-third chance oh one-third chance sorry yeah the one-third chance that everyone lives okay i think yeah 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 okay well that's really interesting because um the when this is done almost everybody chooses the option to save everybody or to save the 200 people right um, and so when you're faced with this option and you can guarantee that you save 200 people or you risk that, you know, in our minds, risk killing everybody, the majority of everyone goes for that option of, um, you know, saving the 200 people. And then what they've done is they'll do this test and then they, they redo the same exact test, but then they switch the words around the same group of people and they just change the words. So it's the same exact situation, yeah. but program uh, the, the, the option A is now administering the 200 vaccines and you guarantee that 400 people die or you split up the vaccines with a one-third chance everybody lives, two-third chance everybody dies. And what ends up happening is when people are confronted with now the option of killing 400 people, guaranteed, they switch. And now they go for the other option. And And what's really interesting about this study is both option A and option B they both have the same exact outcome on average of saving 200 people. So from a logical perspective, there's no reason to pick one over the other. And there's definitely no reason to switch your answer. But what we found through this or what they found through this is that when people are faced with a, a potential gain, they turn and they start hiding from risk. And then when people are, are presented with a potential loss, they start being risk seeking. And so the way that this the way that this translates into trading is when you or so the way that this works in the study in almost all cases when you're presented with the idea of saving 200 people you're going to take that but when you're presented with the idea of killing 400 people you have that risk you do the opposite yeah and so what happens here and the way that this works out in trading is when you are in a trade and you have profit on the table and you're in a position where you're you're green your profit targets far away but you lock in that green and then you sit and just watch in horror as it goes to your profit target and you leave hundreds or thousands of dollars on the table, that's not a one-off thing that just randomly happened. It's the way that you are actually programmed to respond. You have potential gain. You become risk adverse. And then on the other side, where you're in a trade and it's you know your stop loss is here. This is where you need to get out. But the trade comes down. It, hit, it hits your profit. You, you pull it out. It hits your stop loss and, and you move it. You give it a little more room, a little bit more room. And then all of a sudden, your you know this one loss just turns massive. Well, that again, that's not a one, a random thing that you did. It's when you are presented and there's risk on the line, you switch and you become risk seeking, right? Wow. And and all of us are going to you know really be programmed to do this in almost all cases. So again, you find yourself in these situations where you have these nice little runs, one trade wipes it all out. It's because you've been naturally programmed to to respond this way. And for almost all people, um, some people are more risk-seeking. I think the majority of, of traders are more you know, apt to hide from risk. Um, but if you can really straighten this out and, and get over this, this, this mental hurdle, um, then your trading automatically goes to a completely different level. And if you don't, you just struggle with this for years, always having mixed results, always just doing things because you're going to get a good system. You're going to get motivated. You're going to be – but then you get out in the market. And your natural wiring kicks in and you do the exact opposite, right? And so um, really, really important we fix this. And if you want to fix it, 
and, and the idea of being able to confront these emotions and control them completely, uh, it, it, that's kind of a, probably something that won't happen. It would be like some monk-like discipline that would take years to, to, to develop and to be able to really get through. So what we have to do is find some things that we can work on and some real processes um, and, and start attacking these like in a tactical way. Because just like um, w- with everything, when you feel something, you don't actually have to act on it. When you wake up in the morning and you want to hit the snooze button and just stay in bed, well, you don't have to. You can get up and still go about your day. So when you're trading and you're feeling a certain sort of way, you don't actually have to respond to that. And so we can do some exercises and we can do things that stretch us and grow us that really work on our trading skills and, and can really boost this. So what I would recommend, and I can, um, I can share this with you. You can put it maybe in the show notes or something if you'd yeah. like, but um, it'll be just a, a Google, uh, Google Sheet that anybody can have. Um, and it's just a, a very nice little sheet that it's a, it's an exercise where what you'll do is, um, when you enter a trade, you'll just hit a timer and then you'll start to, as a trade is working out, you're going to start feeling a certain kind of way. And then once you feel it, you just mark down how long it was. So maybe it's been like nine seconds, maybe it's been a couple minutes, whatever it is for you, but you're in a trade, maybe it's working out and you're just like really freaking out and you want to take the trade off. Don't act. You just write it down. This is how long it's been. And then you can take a note of like what exactly it is that you're feeling. And then you want to mark down when you exited the trade. Okay. The rest of the spreadsheet is going to calculate for you what your average response time was. So when you enter a trade, how long it typically is before you start feeling a certain sort of way. And then it's going to mark down how long from when you felt a certain sort of way to when you exited. It'll tell you how long you were in that trade. And then what you want to do is purposefully work on sitting through the pain and sitting through these trades longer and letting them work. And then your, your goal would be to increase the time that you're feeling a certain sort of way till the time that you get out. And if you can fix this and you can push through and start, you know, building up that ability to, to confront your risk and to sit through that uncomfortability, like a muscle, you're going to build it up and you're going to be able, you know, maybe the first 10, 15 times, it's going to be awful but you'll get through it and then you'll come out the other side of this incredibly uh, ahead of the pack as far as trade performance. It's very powerful. Well, this is great advice, guys. This is absolute gold. Uh, I don't even know if we need to go through the rest of the questions here. Um, <laughs> it's so good. So look, uh, what we'll do, yeah, we'll get that, that document up on the in the show notes so you can go and check that out. It actually ties in a lot with um, the interview that went live prior to this, where it wasn't, we didn't quite get into the detail around trading, but it was very similar around setting a timer and, and taking um, note of your. Um, well, actually, it wasn't the interview; it was the YouTube video we did afterwards, taking note of, of how you're feeling at that particular time. So, mm. there's something to this definitely worthwhile trying. Uh, I think we've got a bit of time left, so let's let's go through some of these questions here. Uh, favorite entry setup. Um. My favorite entry setup would it would be based on the volume profile, and it's a little bit nuanced, um, but what it would look like is the day opens up, and I'll have um, a, a specific way of opening or marking what I would call the opening range. It's just the first time that we have buyers and sellers show up in that session. So I'll mark these off, and then what would happen is both get violated, and it's very clear that we're not going to trend. We're definitely, uh, we're being, um, both sides are just, active right so when this happens there's a natural process of kind of the range getting extended we usually take it out one side a little bit 
And then at some point, one side takes over and somebody really steps in and we have some range extension. Once that happens, uh, I'm looking to join that side that really took over. And the way that I do this is I enter on the opposite side of the value area for that day. So what it would look like is we open, we kind of chop around a little bit. There's clearly not a trend happening. Maybe we, we, we push higher slightly or something, and then we, we really step into the downside. So I know the bears are in charge. I know that's the direction I want to join, not necessarily for a, a full-on trend, but at least that's who I want to line with. What I'll do is I'll enter shorts, uh, and, but I'll enter at the value area high, okay? So not the value area short or low, but the value area high. And then on the flip side, if the bulls have taken over, I'll enter long, but at the value area low. It's a, it's a little bit nuanced and it kind of requires some skill sets. So uh, it's not one that you probably want to run out half cocked with, but that's for my trading style and the way that I like to trade. It's, uh, it's just beautiful. That's what I really want to do. And what strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades? Uh, almost always scale out. Uh, yeah, what, what I'll do is enter a trade. And then, as I said earlier, there's usually some areas in between. And uh, I'll look to, you know, take profit as the market gives it to me. It's a way of mitigating risk. What's your recommended trading book or resource? Um, yeah, I think we're probably all familiar with most of the, I don't, I don't probably have like a hidden gem trading book necessarily. Um, I think we're all familiar with, you know, trading for a living and, and things like that. So I, I think if I would recommend a trading book, I think some of the best trading books might not have anything to do with trading specifically. But just understanding yourself and understanding how you are, uh, the more you figure that out, the, the better you can control and, and trade. So um, there's a book called Think Fast and, uh, Think Fast and Slow. Um, it's very good, very, very good to kind of help you understand how different parts of your brain work. Nice. Uh, if there was one thing you'd recommend any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Um, if... If you didn't ask me how could they go about mastering it, I would say uh, risk management. And I think one of the curses in retail training and just the retail understanding is that, hey, if I risk 2% of my account per trade, I'm managing my risk. And I think if I was to ask somebody, you know, hey, or tell somebody that they need to work on their risk and they say, Corbs, I got it. I understand risk management. I promise you, you don't. Like it is a very deep subject that really comes down to like the art and science of choice. And it's, uh, it's, it's very, very powerful. And um, it's, it's something that we all need to dive very deep on, not just, oh, I'm risking 2% of my account per trade. It's, it's very shallow. Um, and so, but not really having a way to go down and master that. But what I would really recommend is that you, as a retail trader, get very focused on what your method is, your exact complete method. I, I feel that I've, talk to a lot of traders that sometimes have been trading for years, but they, they really don't know what exactly a high quality setup is for them. And so what I would recommend is you, you, you build yourself out a complete trading method, which would include the, the style of, of market action that you want to take advantage of, whether that's trending or whether that's volatile or whether that's very non-directional. Um, and then you have a specific setup that you're looking to trade that with. Not just the, the um, I should say, a complete system that you're looking to trade that with, which is going to include a setup, which is your technical analysis. Uh, but going out there and finding a pattern or finding a crossover or something, that, that's technical analysis, but that isn't trading. And a lot of trading frustration comes from the place of knowing how to do TA, 
but not understanding how to trade. And so every good system is going to need the setup. You're going to need that, that, that TA part. But the only thing that can really tell you is that we've reached potential support and resistance, and it can tell you that you need to be looking long or short. That's about it. You also need to have a plan of how you're going to trade that setup. Uh, so when you find it, what exactly it is that you're going to do. You have those two things together, then you have a system. Uh, you're going to know what time frame you put those things on and then what market and what products you're trading all that on. When you have those four things, you have a complete trading method. And then when you open a computer, you're going to know exactly what it is that you're looking at or, or, or for. And then by virtue of having that clarity, which is like a superpower in trading, all the noise and a lot of the things that would normally catch you off guard or you'd get caught up in, you're going to be ignoring because you're going to be very focused on what it is you try to find. So yeah, developing out like a very specific, what exactly high quality entries are for you. Nice. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, the way that if I can uh, say it this way, the way to, um, to, to master that over this next couple of weeks, um, anybody who's listening to this and I don't know how we would, uh, we can talk maybe about how to set this up, but, um, what I would love to do is give, uh, just for, for free, anybody who would like this. Um, part one of what's called next level trading, which is just going to be the backbone of your trading business. Um, this is a, a focused training that I've put together. And what it will do is it'll answer all these questions with worksheets and exact walkthroughs of how to figure all these things out. Um, and then if you go through this, it's, it's, there's eight sessions, about eight hours of training. You'll have really the foundations of your trading business set in stone, a clarity that most retail traders don't have. Uh, and so I would, um, yeah, I would, I would love to be able to offer that and just give that to you guys, you know, listening to this podcast. Um, I think that'd be a really massive benefit. Yeah, sure. Look, we'll, we'll hook that up in the show notes and then make sure the guys can get access to that easily. Um, next question is what's your preferred broker and trading platform? Amp futures is what I'm using right now. Sierra charts. Should I go speed uh, run with you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. And, uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, if I could leave you with one piece of advice on, on the path of, of getting to trading, um, I would really suggest simplicity and just scaling back on whatever it is that you're doing. We're living, we, we're in a very noisy space where if you try to focus on figuring everything out, it is very overwhelming and there's no money to be made in this business by being a generalist. You have to become a specialist that does something very well. It doesn't matter what that is. You can do the RSI, you can do patterns, you can do whatever, but you need to find out what you're doing and you need to get very good at it. Uh, and, and really, that shouldn't be overwhelming. That right there is when things become very, at least simple, because it's overwhelming to try to keep your eye and attention on everything, but it's, it's actually pretty simple to get really good at just one thing. And in this business, there is so much money to be made that if you can just get good at something, you can you can make enough money to have almost whatever lifestyle you want. Great advice, great advice. Now, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Uh, probably on Twitter. Um, if you want to hit me up there, at uh, it's just Corbs. If you put it on Twitter, but um, that's probably the easiest way to to get a hold of me. I would say, just Aaron Corbs. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Aaron for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here, along with all the links are in the show notes to find them simply search for Aaron in the search box on tradingnut.com until next time I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success
So there we have it, folks. Interview with Aaron Corbs done and dusted. As I said, this was one of the best ones of the show. Uh, if you do want to learn how Aaron does what he does in detail, uh, I've, I've got access to and have done most of his video course. And I've got to say, it's fantastically put together, worthwhile if you are looking for something to do during this time of lockdown, this weird time of life that we're in, then I do recommend heading over there, checking it out. Uh, Also, on the way, make sure you pick up the $500 discount coupon code, well, it's coupon link on the Trading Nuts site. It's the only place you can get it. And whilst you're there, check out the little video we shot. We're going to get to see exactly what he's spoken about on the show in a lot more detail. So you can see the sniper entry that he takes and where he would take profit and how he goes about trading this particular system. So folks, uh, that's it for this week. Wait for another great show coming up next week as well. Um, They're just rolling out the gates here, guys, on Trading Nut. And I'll see you in the chat or in the markets.